Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the directors and producers of the documentary RBG, Julie Cohen and Betsy West. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. We welcome today Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's become such an icon. Do you mind signing this copy? I am 84 years old, and everyone wants to take a picture with me. <laughs> Notorious RBG. Yeah, yeah. When you come right down to it, the closest thing to a superhero I know. Ruth Bader Ginsburg changed the way the world is for American women. I became a lawyer when women were not wanted by the legal profession. Thousands of state and federal laws discriminated on the basis of gender. She was following in the footsteps of the battle for racial equality. She wanted equal protection for women. Men and women are persons of equal dignity and they should count equally before the law. She captured for the male members of the court what it was like to be a second-class citizen. The point is that the discriminatory line almost inevitably hurts women. I did see myself as kind of a kindergarten teacher in those days because the judges didn't think sex discrimination existed. I have had the great good fortune to share life with a partner truly extraordinary for his generation. He was the first boy I ever knew who cared that I had a brain. She is a center of power on and off the court. Every time Justice Ginsburg wrote a dissent, the internet would explode. I came up with a couple slogans. You can't spell truth without Ruth. I surely would not be in this room today without the determined efforts of men and women who kept dreams alive. I've heard that she does 20 push-ups three times a week or something. I mean, we can't even get off the floor. We can't even get down to the floor. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Hi there, and you're listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. I have with me the directors and producers of the acclaimed Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, RBG, Betsy West and Julie Cohen, here to talk about their new film. Betsy and Julie, how are you? I will. Hi there. We're good. Thank you both for coming on today. We're very excited to hear about your film. How did you both end up on this project? How did you end up directing together? What brought you both to RBG? Well, um, in 2015, uh, Julie and I were talking and remarking on Justice Ginsburg's uh, celebrity and how she had become um, so... Uh, the notorious RBG for uh, many of the blistering dissents that she'd written as a Supreme Court justice. And, uh, you know, we saw how millennials were uh, 
you know, sharing memes about her, wearing T-shirts and, you know, even getting tattoos um, about her speaking truth to power. But at the same time, Julie and I had both interviewed Justice Ginsburg a few years before all of this celebrity, and we knew there was just so much more to her story. Really, um, uh, you know, her history as a women's rights litigator and also an amazing romance. And we thought, wow, this is the makings of a great documentary, and uh, who better to do it than us? <laughs> so, and we started. <laughs> you know, you really can't find a better, I can't think of a more fitting subject for a documentary than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Her story's got everything. You've got a heroine who's facing great odds and has to fight to overcome the obstacles. You've got a sweeping romance. You've got a, you know, unexpected late in life pop stardom. Like, how, how could you lose? Oh, it's so cinematic. Okay, so you both started this in 2015. Tell me this. I assume, like most of us, you were more than a little bit surprised when Donald Trump got elected. How did that change the project? Well, we had, as, as, your, uh, as your question suggests, we had started working on this um, project for some time, and we were already filming at the time of the 2016 election. Um, certainly, Justice Ginsburg's kind of cultural relevance in America got greater um, after the election of Donald Trump. She was already very much... Uh, a, a focus of interest and attention among those who oppose some of the um, recent Supreme Court majority conservative decisions. But I think those feelings got all the more strong after Donald Trump's election uh, to be president. So, you know, in addition to that, you've got the growth of the you know, the kind of the new Me Too and Time's Up movements, uh, the whole idea of women, even, you know, many years after the women's liberation movement that Justice Ginsburg's early legal work was part of, you've got the resurgence of those cultural touchstones and, and how important those things have become. So, you know, she's just become a lot more relevant than she was when we started the project. And she was pretty relevant then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, after the election, everybody who knew we were working on this was asking us about her health. You know, is she eating her kale? How is she doing? <laughs> she, she just became uh, much more of a focus. Now, you, uh, you talked about, obviously, looking back years later and appreciating what a woman accomplished. You clearly both had to do a ton of research on this and listen to hours and hours of... Uh, dissenting opinions, recordings, et cetera, et cetera. Was there anything that she faced that in the prospect, uh, in the process of researching this project, you were just like, oh my God, you know, I, I can't believe this happened even 50, 40 years ago. Was there anything that really shocked you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think looking back at what the world was like in the early 1970s, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg began the women's rights project to uh, a fight discrimination against women, uh, it is surprising to see uh, what everybody, the, the discriminatory laws that everybody just took for granted. You know, you could be fired for being pregnant, no problem. Uh, if you were uh, a married woman and you wanted to get a credit card, you had to get your husband to co-sign, or you wanted to get a mortgage, he had to co-sign. Uh, 
Uh, and husbands were never prosecuted for raping their wives. These are just a few of the many just kind of extraordinarily, uh, in hindsight, discriminatory uh, laws in our country. People just took for granted and they would kind of justify them like, oh, uh, it's good for women to be taken care of their husbands. Uh, it's good for women not to be able to work overtime because they shouldn't tax themselves. You know, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg put it, uh, everybody talked about women being on a pedestal, but they were actually in a cage. Mm. And so it, just going back and, and recognizing what the world was like was uh, was pretty shocking. There was, uh, yeah, there, there was definitely a moment, too, in one of the recordings where they, uh, one of the Supreme Court justices says something like, um, what, we're already going to put Susan B. Anthony on the dollar bill, aren't we? Or something like that. Right. Which just floored me. We, we listened through um, the recordings of when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as a young lawyer, was bringing cases arguing for gender equality in the 1970s before the U.S. Supreme Court, a time when these arguments had basically not been heard in courts of law and when the justices were quite taken by surprise by them. What we found again and again was a tone of condescension uh, from several of the Supreme Court justices to the young and incredibly, uh, you know, legally sharp and uh, concise and, and smart uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, someone deserving of respect, but often getting exactly the opposite. Now, a lot of the condescending remarks were kind of in the midst of you know, kind of legalese that we couldn't include in our film, but there's a number that we do, including one, you know, she's making this really passionate, strong pitch that women and men should be treated equally under the law. And then Justice Rehnquist responds to her by saying like, oh, uh, you wouldn't just settle for putting Susan B. Anthony on the dollar. And then they all just like chuckle for a few minutes. Uh, the amazing thing to us is how Ruth Bader Ginsburg was e able to keep her composure and just keep arguing away in the face of the, those dismissive attitudes. Yeah, I mean, we asked her about this, like, how did you just uh, not get angry at them? And she, her whole approach was that anger is a waste of time, uh, something that her mother had taught her. Not that she wasn't angry about the unfairness that she saw, but that, um, Rather than wallowing in her anger, she had to think of a smart way to get beyond and to, to get to where she was going. She had her eyes on the prize of making the U.S. Constitution apply equally to men and women. And, and she got there by being very smart and very strategic. Now, you mentioned that there were uh, a lot of these remarks that couldn't make it into the film was there anything in Justice Ginsburg's life that you desperately wanted to include, but you couldn't because of time constraints or et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, I think we included a lot of personal aspects of her life, extraordinarily feminist marriage, her romance with her uh, husband, Marty, that we can talk a, a little bit about, uh, her love of opera. There's you know, and, and to some extent, we talk about what a adventuresome person she was, uh, but we didn't get into certainly all, some of the funny things that we learned how she, uh, you know, she 
loves to horse. She used to love to horseback ride, and she once just galloped away from the U.S. Marshals who were supposedly guarding her. Uh, <laughs> how she, yeah, and they're like, come back. And then um, she went whitewater rafting again. You know, she's in her at some point in her sixties and insisted on being in the front of the boat, not in the back. And and then the funniest one is when. She was on a holiday with her husband and with uh, Justice Scalia, or actually was at, a, I think, at a judicial conference, and they had an opportunity to go parasailing, which the men didn't take advantage of, but up she went. <laughs> How old was she at the time? It, well, uh, she was in her 60s, I believe, and Justice Scalia was on the ground just going, oh my goodness, she's so little, she's just never going to come back down again. <laughs> so she's, she needs, she's an adventurer. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now we know if there's ever a sequel, we know <laughs> what needs to show up in there. We, we tried to get uh, images of such a thing. There's no, no one is known to have any photos or videotape of the justice parasailing, uh, but we, <laughs> we put out the call that if anyone has that, please, uh, please get in touch with us <laughs> and let us know. But we do have a great picture of her on an elephant with Justice Scalia. That's, uh, you know, another pretty good example of her, uh, her uh, adventuresomeness. Now, she's clearly an incredibly courageous and adventurous person, but the film makes quite a point of the fact that outside the courtroom, Justice Ginsburg is very reserved. How did you go about getting her to agree to grant you such access to her life and to her personality? when she's someone who is very much more of an introvert. Yes, well, introvert, I think, is a good word for it. The justice, uh, her whole life, because as you'll see in the film, we interview friends going back to kindergarten, and her whole life she's been a reserved, quiet, thoughtful person. If you ask, if you ask her, how are you, she'll spend 15 seconds kind of thinking about it and come back with a very considered answer, <laughs> sometimes like almost in the form of an essay, because she has that kind of a brain. Um, we basically uh, got her to participate in the in, in our project in in depth. Um, it was a gradual process. When we first uh, sent her a carefully worded email asking if she might be willing to participate in a film uh, telling her life story, her answer to us basically was not yet. Um, we looked at her her email. We know she's careful with her words, and we noticed that she didn't say no. Uh, she just said not yet. So we basically just persisted. Um, we started uh, to research and do interviews with people that had worked with her many decades earlier, uh, some of the plaintiffs from the early cases she brought before the court. Ultimately, she gave us access to become, begin filming some of the events and uh, public talks that she gives around the country. And then we sort of worked from there to the idea of a sit-down interview and ultimately very personal footage of her at home, her with her granddaughter on vacation, doing a speaking role at the opera, and then what we think of as a pièce de résistance, which is the very full accounting of her fam famous uh, workout in the gym with her trainer, Bryant Johnson. I was, I was so delighted that she was able to grant both of you access to the workout because that is absolutely a highlight of the film. And... She's got better plank form than most people I've seen. <laughs> absolutely. It's pretty inspiring. I mean, you know, Julie and I did not have to be there. It's a pretty small gym, and we had two camera people in the room. 
but um, there was no way we were not going to see this. So we were kind of crouching in the corner. <laughs> Justice Ginsburg came in. She paid no attention to us. She paid no attention to the camera people. She was just going through her routine, and it was so impressive and and just a joy to watch, as you say. Inspirational as well. Julie and I have uh, subsequently begun doing planks. <laughs> But we can't plank for as long as Justice Ginsburg, and I haven't even tried what she can do, which is the side plank. Oh, she can do a side plank? Yeah, the side plank. Oh, my God. Oh, those are brutal. When she's done with the regular plank, she she flips uh, a few degrees and does the side plank. <laughs> and she, she's also clear to point out they're not girl push-ups she does as well. She does push-up, push-up. Absolutely. On, on her toes. Oh, my God. Um, so you, you mentioned that you spent a lot of time interviewing people in Justice Ginsburg's life. I was very surprised to see some of the faces like Orrin Hatch, who had very positive things to say about her. Who surprised you the most? Because other than Donald Trump, there's really not a person on screen who has a negative word to say about her. Who surprised you the most? Uh, you know... Well, we did actually, I mean, we did interview, um, uh, you know, people who were critical of the comments that she made about then-candidate Trump. So we wanted to make sure to make this a, you know, to have it be a complete picture. Um, I think that Orrin Hatch, uh, who was the uh, leading Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was uh, nominated to be Supreme Court Justice, so he, um, at the time, uh, was grilling her about her views on um, various issues, including reproductive rights. She was in the Senate confirmation hearing room and made a very forthright and strong statement about her support for abortion uh, in, in front of, you know, a committee of mostly men sitting there looking with quite sour faces. But at the end of it, uh, after her four days of hearings, uh, the vote for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to go on the court was um, 96 to 3, oh uh, which is extraordinary. And Orton Hatch uh, said at the time, look, I don't agree with you on everything. I'm sure you don't agree with me, but there's no question that you're qualified to be a Supreme Court justice and I'm voting for you. Okay, so that's 25 years ago. Um, kind of amazing to think of, of that. Uh, after her very strong uh, testimony about uh, reproductive rights, especially. But 25 years later, when we interviewed Orrin Hatch, he still admires Justice Ginsburg. He still thinks that she's a brilliant intellect. He says that he feels it's good for the court to have a uh, strong liberal on the court. And, uh, you know, he looked, looked us in the eye and said, I love uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We were like, wow. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, so that's obviously very surprising. What else did you learn about her? You obviously went in knowing a lot about Justice Ginsburg. Other than little details like the fact that she apparently parasails, what surprised you most about Justice Ginsburg in this process? Well, you know, Justice Ginsburg is primarily an intellect. And as we have, uh, as we said, she's quiet and reserved. What surprised us most probably was the warmth in her personality and her sense of humor. She has a real 
sharp wit. You're going to see in the movie a number of singers that she uh, that she kind of tosses off when she's doing public speaking. Um, and I think we were pretty surprised and uh, delighted, I might say, by her reaction when we showed her the footage of Kate McKinnon doing the impersonation of her on Saturday Night Live. Uh, we brought that in to, to the courthouse, telling them that we were, you know, planning to show her some clips, but we hadn't explained what the, what the video clips were going to be of. Um, we had heard from Justice Ginsburg's grown children that, uh, she is not, um, she is not known for operating the remote on her TV. So she hadn't, uh, had the chance to see the Saturday Night Live skits, uh, before. Uh, so we brought them to her to see and, uh, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler alert, but boy, does she enjoy watching Kate McKinnon do her <laughs> RBG dance. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing beyond her sense of humor, I alluded to this earlier, we knew she had a long and happy marriage, but the extent of, of um, this romance and the role that it played both in her personal happiness and her, in her professional life uh, really did surprise us. I mean, she met her husband at Cornell University. You'll see from the home movies that we were able to get that Ruth Bader, a beautiful young woman, had her pick of men. But she says that Marty Ginsburg was the first boy who admired her for her brain. And that went on for their entire life. They went to Harvard Law School together. He was bragging about how his wife was going to be on Law Review, which she was. And then... You know, in the 1970s, when her work before the Supreme Court making these very important arguments was really beginning to take off, uh, Marty, who himself was a successful tax lawyer, took over more of the responsibilities at home, taking care of their two kids. And then she becomes a federal judge. Marty gives up his uh, his law job in New York and moves to Washington. He uh, uh, continued to do legal work, but he also continued to... Uh, support his wife. And when an opening uh, came on the Supreme Court in 1993, it was Marty Ginsburg, who was the primary lobbyist, to make sure that his wife uh, was considered. And she herself says she's not sure that she would have gotten the job had Marty not uh, gone on his campaign. So that's an incredible sort of feminist romance way ahead of its time. Just to the point, you almost want to see a... uh... Uh, a feature film romance about the two of them. You will. Well, actually, one in the works. We, we should say that that yeah, that's coming up. Um, uh, the justice's nephew, Daniel Siebelman, wrote a beautiful screenplay called "On the Basis of Sex" that's being made in, into a feature film starring Felicity Jones and Army Hammer as the young Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Marty Ginsburg. Now, I, I, I wanted to ask about that, because that's, that's Mimi, Mimi Leader's upcoming film. Exactly. Are you both involved in that at all? Have you been consulted? or No. No, we're, we're, not, we're not involved. We're just aware of it because we ha- had spoken with, um, with Daniel Siebelman, the, the screenwriter on that, and RBG's uh, nephew uh, early in our process. We had actually kind of, uh, we, had, we had hoped that we might be able to include the production of their film in our film, but the timing ended up just not quite working out. Um, by the time they were shooting, we were already, we were already kind of finishing up our editing. Um, but it, uh, you know, the, the project is amazing. The story is beautiful and we can't wait to see the film. I'm very excited to see what Felicity Jones does at that. Although I, I always had my fingers crossed that Natalie Portman was going to play her. Um, because I know she was attached to that for years. 
but right. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Yes. So you, what is another significant female, either in politics or in general, that both of you would love to either see a film about or hopefully to make a film about now that you've tackled someone as iconic as Justice Ginsburg? Hmm. Well, it's, you know, it's really, it's a question that's on our mind. It's hard to, um, it's really hard to say who's someone that sort of lives up to Justice Ginsburg's level in terms of the public interest, the very rich, full life story. Um, and, you know, it's yeah, something that we're, they're working on, that we're looking into, but believe me, if there's one that we want to see, then we'd rather just make it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're very admiring of the other two female justices on the court and maybe someday there will be films about them. Who knows? Um, but yes, it's it's hard to uh, to top uh, RBG. Now, um, th- this project was you, both in its development and in its physical production was almost entirely female, correct? Your editor was, I think your DP was, your composer. Tell me a little bit how about how was that working with a crew that is so heavily female? It was great. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> we just have, you know, we were working with extraordinarily talented women, uh, starting with our cinematographer, Claudia Rashke. She was really the first decision that we made. We thought, hey, we are making a film about an iconic woman who has done so much to help American women, and we should have a female cinematographer. And um, so Claudia was an obvious choice. That was great. And then when it came to an editor, um, we were very lucky to find Carla Gutierrez. So um, the process of editing, uh, you know, which we were doing last summer, it was often Julie and me and Carla and our um, associate editor, uh, Grace uh, Mendenhall, and our, so sometimes our associate producer, Nadine Natur. I mean, you know, there were women all around, and we had a really good time. What about Diane Warren? Because I, I, I didn't realize that you had an original song that she and Jennifer Hudson collaborated on. I mean, this, this is a legendary songwriter. How did you get Diane Warren on board? Yes, it was near the end of our whole process when the film basically had, we already had a fine cut and uh, very happily through our composer, Miriam Cutler, brought in an, our executive music producer, Bonnie Greenberg, who connected us to Diane Warren, showed her our film. Uh, she was excited about it, um, wrote a song called I'll Fight that we feel really captures RBG's spirit. And then um, Jennifer Hudson did us the great privilege of, uh, of singing the song and, and recording it. And n- now it's uh, the closing song for our film. So could, couldn't be a better mix, mix of people. And again, uh, more more a sort of women-led uh, team. Yeah, and just to top it off, um, our producing partners at CNN Films, who really, you know, stepped up and supported this film early on, also just so happened to be three women, Amy Intellis and Courtney Sexton and Alex Hannibal. So um, uh, they were also uh, great partners. Do you have any advice for other aspiring female filmmakers? You know, I think our advice to female filmmakers would be persistence can pay off. 
Um, when you're in the process of making, whether it's a documentary or a feature film, there are dozens, if not hundreds of points along the way where it feels like the whole project isn't going to come together, where it maybe feels like the whole dream is going to go down in flames and why the heck did I ever start this uh, thing or think that I could do it? And the difference between people who get films made and those who don't is what attitude you take when those obstacles come up, whether you, you know, whether you let it kind of crush you or whether you take the Ruth Bader Ginsburg approach of like, I'm going to get up and push and fight another day. Sometimes it's hard for uh, young filmmakers, maybe young women in particular to have that level of confidence. Uh, But either having or at least faking confidence (laughs) and pushing forward is the, is the best bet. That's, the way to to make it happen step by step all right well i have loved getting to hear a little bit about rbg which is in theaters right now uh before both of you go is there anything else you would like to share about this film that no one has asked you so far yet you know I think after the weekend that we've just spent opening weekend and we've done some talkbacks um what has struck me is the range of people in the audience. I mean, we have seven and eight year old girls who show up in RBG regalia with the lace collar. And, you know, (laughs) they, they really find something so inspiring in this tiny, you know, elderly grandmother who's speaking truth to power. There's something that they identify with. And then, you know, we obviously will have older uh, men and women who remember a time uh, when things were not so good for for women and and others um, people involved in our legal institutions who who find a story about a lawyer who used her skills and her brilliance to help other people they find that inspiring so it's a it's an enormous range in the audience and that's fun to see. All right. Well, thank you both so much for uh, coming to speak about the film. I wish it the best of success. And it's going to be a big year for Justice Ginsburg between this and on the basis of sex and any other dissenting opinions. It's a big year for her in the movies. It's almost always a big year for Justice Ginsburg at the Supreme Court. (laughs) Every every year for the the last 83 years has been a, a big year for Justice Ginsburg, I guess. So... Thank you both so much. This has been the Next Best Picture podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Twitter, iTunes, Play FM. Thank you for listening. Uh, Betsy and Julie, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I look forward to seeing what you both have down the line documentary-wise. Thank you, Will. Absolutely. Have a great day. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.